you're listening to Innovative Minds with Melanie Francis, where we talk to some of the top thought leaders, business leaders, and marketers around the globe. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind. And now, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Innovative Minds. I've got two innovative minds here with me today. I have Ryan and Jamie, both founders of a company you may or may not have heard of called Partner.io. Now, these guys are really doing some really cool things when it comes to partnerships. They're bringing big brands, small brands, B2B brands together to help them partner with the idea to actually help them maybe drive sales, help them actually have identify similar value systems so that they can actually partner together to do good causes. It could be all of those things. And when I came across these boys, I saw how passionate they were and how intelligent they were in thinking about partnerships. And it's a channel that I think is really undervalued right now. You know, we're all very focused on building community, but I think the future could really move to these amazing partnerships if we could identify who these partners are that think like us, are like-minded like us. And what Ryan and Jamie are trying to do is trying to create a platform that enables you to find partners that really have the same value as you, same belief as you. And I thought that was really unique and it really grabbed me. So I wanted to bring them on to hear their journey of how that actually evolved for them. Like how did that business idea come to them? What kind of pain points did they see in the marketing world that drove them to say that, you know, partnerships are a really valuable channel for businesses. So Ryan, Jamie, welcome to Innovative Minds. I'm really excited to have you on and explore this. Thanks for having us, Mel. All right. Well, guys, how did it start? Did you just like, you know, each of you one day just wake up out of bed and go, you know what, there's just not enough great partnerships and I'm going to build a platform? I think it came from Jamie and I doing partnerships in businesses that we were in. Long story short, Jamie and I met around 12 years ago now and we're working together in the fitness industry. Long story short, went our own ways. I went down the software road. I built a marketplace for gyms and Jamie went into e-commerce and fundamentally how we got those businesses off the ground because we're always poor little startups with no money. We used all the cash that we had for the product and we're looking for creative ways to actually get customers. We didn't even know we were doing partnerships. We just thought, let's go and do try this, see how it works. But I went to, my bread and butter was getting gyms and studios on board. So it was a marketplace you could find to join a gym in your area. So without gyms, I didn't really have a business. So I went to all of the business coaches, business mentors, governing bodies in the fitness industry and said, hey, if you onboard your facilities that you speak to, I'll share the revenue with you because it was about 300 bucks to be on the platform for the year. And so through that process, I, I knew that partnerships worked and that really helped me scale a business. And Jamie was very much the same in e-com. It was one, the influencer side of it, uh, you know, partnering with influencers to get in front of your customers. But two was looking at other brands that shared the same customer, but you aren't competing with one another. So one of Jamie's brands, he had four different e-commerce brands, was in the supplement base. And so he was partnering with other beauty products and retail products that shared his same customer demographic and psychographic and 
that helped him drive customers without spending money on marketing. And Jamie exited that business and I wound up mine and we took jobs, which is weird for us to say, but I was a partnership manager at a local startup here on the coast. And Jamie was the CMO of a skincare brand. And he called me one day and we're both doing partnerships, you know, to help grow those businesses. And Jamie called me one day and he said, man, I'm so sick of doing all this outreach. Like I'm emailing all of these brands. They're not getting back to me. The ones that get back to me, stuff me around. And then eventually I land a partnership, you know, he's like, surely, surely there's a place where I can host a campaign and have other brands come to me. And I was like, uh, I've, I've never heard of that, but let's have a look and see if we can find it. So we uh, spent the week looking for the solution. We couldn't find it. All we could find was affiliate software and things like that. That wasn't really the solution we're after. That's just what we call, you know, one segment of B2B marketing. So we got to back together and said, you know what, let's just build it ourselves. So it was really scratching our own itch that got us the partner. Awesome. So, Jamie, you met 12 years ago and were you in different businesses from what Ryan was saying, like you're running your separate respective businesses and you're in some beauty thing back then? Yeah, we met. It was called Phoenix Fitness, so a gym that's now our good life. So Ryan was the sales manager and I was one of the membership consultants trying to sell memberships to to people walking in. And, uh, yeah, I guess I went to good life. Good. Yeah, I used to go to good life. Yeah, in Martin Place. I still no. love that gym. <laughs> yeah, they're, Very they're great gyms. To to. Mm-hmm. They're great wow. gyms. But, yeah, that, that's where Ryan and I met and then after that, we started our own companies. So you went on your separate ways, met, and then you went and exited the business. You went and worked again separately, and then all of a sudden you're mates and you come together to partner. So how does your partnership between the two of you actually work out of interest since, you know, your <laughs> two partners? Well, it gets quite fiery at times. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you both want to be the head person then the dominant person so is that is that what you're saying like that's what (laughs) (laughs) no i think decisions then we we play different roles and i think we know we've got different strengths like talking is one of rights (laughs) (laughs) that's cool and then how does your dynamic in your business work with each other like what part jamie are you better in you know handling when it comes to the business and how does where is Ryan focused so how does your partnership end up you know working because talking about partnerships one of the Mm. really important partnerships and the most difficult partnerships is business partners I've had a fair share of mine and I've exited many that's one of the most sacred partnerships I think it's almost being married yeah, absolutely. I think it's quite refreshing because coming from the e-com world, it's quite isolating. I've always ran my businesses quite lean and it's either been just myself with VAs. So to have a business partner now and to be able to bounce off each other and share the workload has been really, really good and helpful. Um, but I guess you gravitate to what you're interested in and I guess what you're good at. So I really enjoy the product and developing the product and working with the developer and I guess quality testing and making sure everything's working like it should. Whereas Ryan's more client facing and and sales and trying to get people through the pipeline. Yeah. Isn't that funny because Ryan came from, he said, 
a development sort of, you know, background where he actually developed a software. So it's funny that Ryan's kind of, you know, taken a different role to what he gravitates towards now having you because otherwise he'd probably be in the product itself still having his background. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why it works so well is because I enjoy that side of it. I enjoy dealing with the clients, presenting to investors and raising money and, and all of that sales side of it. And I really, when I had it, it was called mygym.com.au. I hated the product side of it. I, I didn't like dealing with the developers. I didn't like quality testing. I, so really, I think that's why this partnership works so well. <laughs> that's awesome. So you meet and you do this together. And what were some of the challenges as you tried to go in and, you know, create this platform and do outreach, what was your journey like building and trying to bring partnerships together? Was that quite easy, like everyone wanted to come together or were people like sort of confused, like what am I going to get out of this? Why would I do this? You know, what was that like, Ryan? I think we got kind of lucky, I guess, that the timing was right for what we are trying to build. And when we first started to think through the concept, to validate it, we said, let's just build a really simple landing page, one page landing page. Let's put a deck together. We put together some really simple mocks in Figma, took those screenshots, put them into a six-page deck and just started reaching out to brands and said, hey, this is what we're building. Can we run you through the product? Let us know what you think. And we told them it was two weeks away. We didn't even have a developer. We did nothing. We, we were just seeing what we could get. And there was zero friction from you know the six brands that we presented to. We got one of those brands to pay us for a year up front before we even had a product. Uh, and then we thought, let's swing for the fences. Let's try a real big brand. So we reached out to HelloFresh and did the presentation to them. And, you know, they said, this is solving a problem for us in terms of outreach. So we're happy to do it as well. So Jamie and I were like, shit, let's build this real quick. <laughs> so we got the MVP together. And I guess the biggest challenges for us at that stage was trying to manage that process to get the product built as quick as we could to make sure that we could service the clients that were signing up. And then in those early stages, we went to business networking events, like just little local ones. We designed a pull-up banner. We got some flyers done and went around, just started chatting to small businesses and saying, hey, this is the product that we're building. What do you think? Are you interested in it? And the feedback was always much of the same. It was that I'd love to do partnerships, but I don't really know how to do them. How do I approach it? Who can I partner with? So everyone knew it was a thing you could do and it was a good business objective, but they just really weren't sure how to approach or even execute it. So I think those early days, that feedback from the smaller businesses really helped us design the functionality of what the product is now. Awesome. So Jamie, how long did this MVP take? Did it take two weeks or did that take a whole lot longer? Took a little bit longer than we were suggesting. I think um, it was around, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but about eight to 10 weeks. So it was still pretty fast, very fast. Yeah. But I think coming from our background, we've done things enough to really fast track some things, you know, where to, where to go lean on or where to spend some money or a bit of extra time. But That's it was awesome, good to, eight to 10 weeks. That's super fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fast. It have you had to crazy. rebuild that since then a few times no, it's, over? No, it's, kept... it's been really good. It's just a really good solid foundation. Now we're building really cool features off of it. That's impressive. 
I think fundamentally the, the platform is quite simple. We connect brands with other brands. So we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to make it easier and more simpler for people to find people and, and connect with brands. So it's just having brands and opportunities inside the platform. Is the mission to connect brands with brands or is it to help people understand which brand has still the same values system as me? Because when I joined your platform, that was something really unique and it stood out to me. And I guess where does that value system partnership ideology, when did that come in and why? Uh, Yeah, it came in early. It's the way we were sort of thinking through the platform. So if I was a brand coming on, who would I want to see? How would I want to identify where are the opportunities? And the low-hanging fruit is like demographics. We both service females aged between 18 and 35 at the core. But then if you take it a, a layer deeper and go, well, what are the psychographics of those customers? What do they believe in? What are their values? What are their interests? What are their hobbies? And one value might be sustainability. So now you go 18 to 35-year-old females who care about sustainability then that really starts to forge a meaningful partnership because if you care about sustainability and you're buying a beauty product, you'll make that buying decision across other products, whether it's a wellness product, the retail, fashion, clothes, because the core value that you have is sustainability. Then it becomes really interesting, right? Like I'm money conscious. I believe in wellness. Uh, I believe in my health. I believe in finances. So all of these interest hobbies become super interesting to brands and then this is one thing we're identifying as the more and more brands that we work with. Sometimes the demographic doesn't matter. What really matters is the psychographic. If I believe in sustainability, then I'll make that decision across so many different things. And a brand or a product doesn't really need to worry too much about age, location, gender. It's more about the value of that customer. That's super interesting. I just noted that you start with maybe demographics plus then you put psychographics to identify who you partner with because you don't just partner with anybody because that could actually be a loss-making exercise for both of you. Same as business partners, you know, you've got to have a core value system. I guess you share a very similar way of thinking. And you're saying that demographic more and more you're finding doesn't actually matter so much, but if you can have a brand and a brand be able to identify the psychographics of their audience and their value system being the same, right? Rather than the brand and the brand having the same value system, which, well, the brand would have a value system, but it's that audience that they hold something that's very similar. And now you can now cross sell to them in a, in a very meaningful way. What I'm curious to know is what are some of the, you know, cool partnerships you've seen come about through your platform, outside of your platform? That was just super, super cool to see and it's not something, you know, people would have maybe thought of that, oh, X and X partnering and, you know, I've seen some of that come through and go, oh, wow, that's really different. Like, you know, like Louis Vuitton with, I don't know, like some place that where you go for entertainment, you know, but it, that it kind of makes sense but you kind of go, oh, why is that with that, right? Or I've seen Chopo go with other brands to send a fruit platter to Kim Kardashians, right? Like really like, you know, coming together and making sure their name is there and all these other packages are there. Super cool, super 
inspiring. So I'm sure you guys have seen some great stuff that you can actually share and inspire us with. Yeah, I think the, the one that comes to mind for me, and it's outside of our platform, but I think everyone will know about it. And then, Jamie, maybe you can tell them about the Pelvi and Terakai one, but is the one between Red Bull and GoPro. And they collaborated together and they sent Felix, who was a skydiver of some sort, they sent him outside of the, what's it called? Atmosphere. The atmosphere. Uh, yeah. And they made him skydive from all the way out there. And I think it was... 26 miles above the earth, some crazy number. But when you think about that video, when you watch that video, you can't help but see Red Bull and GoPro all through it. And the core value of both those brands, you think about Red Bull, Red Bull's an energy drink, GoPro's a camera, right? But the core value of their customers is adventure, sport, entertainment. And when they collaborated on that video, that's exactly what that was. It was entertainment. It was adventure. It was a sport. That was probably one of the coolest partnerships I've ever seen come together. But you need to think about their customer. Who are their customers? Their customers care about those things. Like that's extreme. That's cool. It's daring. It's adventurous. It's brave. That's what their customers really care about. That's super cool. There's different B2B partnerships where I guess they've got different strategies where they might want some shock factor like oh, wow, these two brands are working together. Or the ones that I really like are the ones you almost don't identify that are B2B partnerships. Like you think of perhaps Spotify and what's a coffee place? Star. Starbucks. Starbucks. Starbucks, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just it makes so much sense, right, like to have their music playing and playlists and stuff. So ones that are just that happen really easily but there's obviously been a lot of thought and a lot of purpose gone behind that. They're the ones that make me really excited. Yeah. I think Ryan mentioned another one, the something terracotta or something. Yeah, so what was that? We've had uh, quite a successful campaign between Terracai Skin, which is an Australian skincare company, and Pelvi. They do sustainable women's health products like leak-proof underwear. And the two brands, when you look at them on paper, they're quite different in size. So Pelvi, their list, I won't go into details, but is probably six times, no, probably 10 times bigger than Terakai. But they didn't fundamentally care because they knew that Terakai's audience was exactly their target audience. So they did a partnership and it was an email campaign. They supported that with social media giveaway and also some supplementary like social posts and the results were great like they were over for the month they had an increase of like over 180 percent in revenue they had like hundreds of new followers their email list both grew so yeah it was just great to see those when the audiences are right the the results are quite good yeah one of the things is like when you think about partnerships i keep thinking and I think most people think is what am I going to get out of this, right? Like what revenue is it going to bring me? Similar to when clients work with us on LinkedIn and content and branding, it's also the same. What can I get from this? What ROI is this going to give me? And I've always been saying how wrong that is to constantly think about maybe what am I going to get? But Instead, I always say to founders and companies, like, what are you giving? Is that, I guess, similar for you guys in that, you know, like 
everyone comes with expectation of what am I going to get? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like the biggest blocker. When you think of it, if you go back to the question you asked us earlier is, you know, why does that partnership work between Jamie and I? And we both lean into work as in this is what I'm going to do. Here's my responsibility. Here's what I can contribute to the company. We don't go in with here's what I'm going to take from it, if that makes sense. So one of the big blockers that we see with brands working together is that they lean into the partnership of what can I get out of this? What's going to be my ROI? How many customers can I get? Not leading in with how can I provide value to my partner? And when we talk about partnerships is we use the analogy of the perfect triangle, right? The equilateral triangle. So it's where all sides are the same length and every degree is 60 degrees. You get this perfect triangle. And the foundation of that partnership is always the two brands, right? Coming together to create that partnership. And at the top, the focus of that partnership always needs to be the customer. If the focus is in the customer, then you're going to get disjointed triangle, right? It's going to be too far this way or too far that way. So when brands lead in, they always go in with what, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Rather than what can I give? And it's it's what can you give the partner? But more importantly, what can you give your client? What can you give your customer? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that need to be receiving all the value out of it. We need to re-educate a lot of brands is... Isn't, isn't so much what you can take, but what you can give to the partnership. No, I think I think a lot of brands mess up by seeing the next partnership as the one thing that's going to really drive the sales, where they need to look as the, at their partnership program long-term. So for, they need to almost frame their customers and their audience of what they're going to expect in the future and create some sort of frequency or cadence as for how many partnerships or what it's going to look like because we know mature partnership programs generate on average about four times the amount of a similar size company that don't have a partnership program in place so you really need to think long term and not necessarily like ryan suggested what am i going to get out of it straight away it's what are my customers going to get and how can i see that you know that curve going up and up in the future so not just straight away that's interesting. So when you choose to partner with someone, like when you say partnership program, do you mean like when you should choose partners that you decide to partner with, say, 12 months or more with the time frame? Or, you know, what's the best way to think about and what kind of time frames should you be thinking with? It depends on the company. When we going back to the other stuff, saying that, you know, it's really important on values and stuff, which for most companies is true. but if you do have a really mature partnership program, you can experiment with lots of different companies and different audiences. And I guess that's the strength of our platform as well is you can identify other audiences and segments of values that you can then say, hey, let, let's try and test that audience. But yeah, if you're a bigger company, you might have higher touch points than those, I guess, higher tier companies that are going to take a little while longer. But if you're starting out, you can you can do it a bit faster than that. You can do it month by month. Coming back to the time frame, that we always recommend like what's some low hanging fruit that you can engage in to test the appetite of the partnership. So if if we were going to partner together, Mel, we'd go. What's the next step forward? And maybe it's sharing each other's Instagram story to each other's page and looking at the click through rate. Was there an increased engagement on that post? What was the appetite like? Did people reply and say, oh, my God, how do I get in contact with these 
maybe the next step from there is like a simple EDM campaign. I'm going to include you into my newsletter. And the newsletter might be just a tile in that email with a something leading to the latest article that that audience might find useful. And so rather than just going, we're going to commit to 12 months and a long term, let's test it, see the appetite of our audience. And if we can if we can get some early metrics and go, okay, we think our audience is really going to like this because it's not as if you send an email and you get all of these new customers. There needs to be a warm intro. There needs to be some education. There needs to be some nurturing. And then you can ask for a sale. And it's just like the usual sales funnel. It's awareness, consideration, action. But everyone with partnerships wants to try and go straight to action. It's like, it's not how the buying cycle works. It never has, it never will. So I think people need to start to think about how do we test things and make sure this is going to be a successful partnership? And then let's really double down on if we can see it's going to work. Yeah, then let's write it out. Let's try and look at different options. And then when you know it's going to work, look for different touch points. So rather than just doing email, can we cross-promote through social media collaboration? Can you include me in your thank you uh, page when someone buys something from your product? Can you include me there? Can you put some flyers at your e-com orders that are going out there? So rather than just going email, go, where are all of the touch points that you have with your customers? And how can we include my brand in there in subtle ways where it's nurturing and adding value, not necessarily asking for the sale all the time? Yeah, that's awesome to learn yeah, some of those. One of the things that when I think about partnerships and it seems so great to be able to go partner with these big brands that you have on, but it seems like there's such a big mammoth to partner with, you almost feel like, what can I bring them? You know, like when I've talked to you guys about, you know, founder and I'm like, wow, like they want to help entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs and that's the same value, but they're such mammoths. Would your recommendation be to partner with more of your equivalent size initially when you're starting your partnership programs or should you go for the big boys at the beginning? I don't think it matters, Mel, to be honest. And we've watched this because brands start with, oh, I've only got a 1,000 emails, I've only got 500 followers. But what they forget is they've got a product or a service their business is. And bigger brands, if, if there's an alignment, if the bigger brand can see that, hey, our customers would actually love that, can you offer them a discount, a free trial, a sample? Because the big brand is always looking for ways to nurture their audience as well. And the brands that do this really well is HelloFresh because if you look at one of their core strategies of customer acquisitions, if you've received an e-com order over the last five years, you've probably got a HelloFresh fire in it and it's you know $150 off your first order. They know that works, but if you're a customer of HelloFresh, every box that you get each week has their Hello Perks in it. And that Hello Perks is usually three to four special offers to other brands. And say they know that they've got this incredible asset. They've got around 150,000 orders that go out every week. So there's 150,000 customers that they can nurture with special offers from other businesses. So they look at this probably the best way because they put flyers in other e-commerce orders to get new customer acquisition, but they don't forget about the customers that they have. How can we keep delivering value to them through our Hello Perks in a very seamless way? And HelloFresh is great at it because they go, we don't care if you've only got a 1,000 orders going out a month or 500 orders going out a month. We'd love to put a flyer in your order and you can put some flyers in our order. So they approach it the best way out of everyone from what we've found. That's Yeah, that's an incredible way to think about it because you think, oh, what are they going to get? But sometimes 
they need the content, they need to add value. It's more important for them than that because they've already got a brand awareness. They're not looking for brand awareness from their other partner, but they're looking to bring value to their customer. So if you can add value to that customer, that's huge worthwhile for them because that's going to keep the customer engaged and with them for longer. So that's really intelligent way for bigger brands to look at partnering with smaller brands, helping them along the way, but also nurturing those retention rates to be probably higher because they were able to offer further value than and wowing a customer going. I didn't yeah, just expect that. To support yeah, that, Mel, another reason why we identified partners a really good solution for brands when we are building it was if you've run a, a Facebook ad or a social ad in the last two years, you've experienced how expensive it is to acquire a new customer. And with the iOS updates, how hard it is to segment and target who you want to target. It used to be easy. Now it's mm. dreadful. So what better way to be able to narrow down on your niche or your target audience by working with another brand that you know has that audience, you know what their audience is interested in. So it's just another way for a big brand, going back to the small brand, big brand, another way for them to reach their target audience. Yeah, that's brilliant. Guys, we've talked a lot about the examples you've given in B2C have done it really well. You know, like when I think about, you know, HelloFresh and their audience and what I would segment them into the B2C and I haven't heard so much greatness in B2B and how they should partner or how B2B, you know, service with other services should partner. I guess the first question I have is, is B2B lacking behind the B2C when it comes to partnerships? I don't think they're lacking behind, Mel. I think B2B's been doing it for a long time, especially with their channel partnerships. I just think they approach it in a different way. B2C is always way more creative. They're more collaborative. They look, they leverage different assets. But B2B tend to just focus on channel partnerships or, or tech integrations. So it makes so much sense for B2B to adopt the way B2C is done, sharing creative content in the way of blogs and educating and nurturing audiences and looking at different assets, you know, collaborating at events together, all of these different creative ways that they can be doing. But I think that B2B seems to be stuck in an old way of doing it where there's a lot of creative new opportunities and different assets with brands nowadays that they can start to leverage and I think that's what we're trying to educate with our B2B brands is how do we move them towards more of a creative, collaborative sort of approach to their partnerships. Yeah, awesome. So with me, when I look at, you know, partnering, the first idea that comes to me in B2B is events. When I've been looking at how do I collaborate with partners and I see anyone that's actually come on my podcast as my potential partners because I'm interested in them or I obviously want to talk to them. So I'm, you know, I'm engaged in that. And that's the first touch point, you know, that I'm partnering with them in my mind to co-create content where we appear together, we see, and it's the first time that content goes out, they get something, I get something, we get to share in each other's networks when that piece goes out. And then from that, I kind of assess what my audience loved, what was the most downloaded podcast there, what was the most enjoyed clips that I put out. And then I look for a second opportunity, such as, you know, going and running an event with that particular partnership because it went so well 
And now we're sort of, I think, 32 episodes into my podcast. Now my second stage of it is, you know, who do I invite back as an event so that I can actually run and co-workshop the second stage. I still feel, you know, there's so much more creative ways to potentially do that, but that's how B2B seems to run really, like events, audio events on LinkedIn, or we do, you know, co-events. Is there other creative sort of B2B ways of, you know, I know we can email each other's lists, I guess. You guys inspired me on that. What are other, you know, cool ways that B2B should partner that maybe I'm not thinking about? That's a good question. Um, (laughs) And that's, I guess, the creative fun part of it is looking for ways to do it. And I'll give you an example of what what we're doing, and and this might give us some ideas as we're sort of chatting, but we're doing this thing called B2B Intro. The catalyst was from chatting with you the first time, you know, talking about community and bringing people, people together. And so, you know, we've got roughly around 40 brands at the moment that have signed up to this online event. And the online event is what we're doing is we're playing matchmaker partneries. And on the day, it's an hour event and split into two half hour sessions. And we're going to introduce you to two other brands who share your demographic, psychographic of customer. And then we're providing with some simple tools to partner like next step. So the idea of the event is to one, it's, it's networking, introducing you to different opportunities that are out there. But two, it's taking a very proactive approach towards partnerships. And one thing both Jamie and I don't like is the very woo-woo, creative, let's get conversational, but then not do anything. So with this event, we're trying to make it so it's very, there's an objective to it. We want to introduce you to the right brands. So then we'll give you some simple steps to forge that partnership. So I think for us, when we're looking at that, we're going, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's just Let's just make it a little bit better. People like going to networking events and they like to meet other people, but the tools that they're given at those events are, are, are barely there. There's, there's like it's just here you all are. I don't know, figure it out, do something. But so I think it's trying to take a more proactive approach to things. And I think to answer your question, I think it's taking those things that you're already talking about and thinking about how do we make it more proactive. How do we provide tools to partner to connect to win more customers whatever it is i think it's finding the things that people are already comfortable doing and then just making them a little bit better yeah i love the fact that we're going to be doing that and you've gone to the effort to you know connect it and i love that we you know we talked about that we need something cool to bring these brands so they can see who's on the platform so it's going to be really exciting the event i think i got it in the mail and i what must have been one of the first ones to fill it out for you guys, right? I was very yeah. quick to submit because <laughs> I was like, this is going to be fun. But, you know, I've gone to other stuff like what you guys are running and people got so much value from getting to connect with other people because we do live in a more of an online world and it is hard to, you know, you want to have like more meetings to create your top of funnel and brand awareness. And we pay so much to get that brand awareness out. So if you can actually join a community, which, you know, what you guys are creating or that sort of where you can go and actually tick off that, yeah, I've actually talked to 10 people this month, that's really valuable. So, you know, I hope that you will actually continue to do that as consistently as possible. And I learned something else with a similar, I guess, a similar platform, but doing something different. There's a tool called Iceberg on Google. I don't Google Meets or something. I don't know if you've heard of it. And you can automate 
a sequence of just getting everyone on your platform to randomly send out an invite to the platform just to talk to each other and just put in 15-minute or 20-minute meetings, something that you guys could look into too. And they can decline that or not, but it just automates that connection of anyone that's on your platform and it might just send me an event to someone else and, you know, just builds that automation for you to connect to people that might never have spoken and might actually find something because every one of us is trying to tick that box that we've had X amount of meetings and created a top of funnel awareness. And if like platforms like yours can help create that, that's super handy for us, you know, small and big, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we've like, just like yourself, you probably learn a little bit differently than what I learned. And I guess it's, we've got a broad range of entrepreneurs you know, partnership managers, they all have different roles, but they're all in the same. They're, they're all in business trying to create partnerships. So our job is to kind of get out of the way as much as possible, but just providing as many opportunities as possible. So the platform does that in itself, which is great. But we want to, yeah, like you said, moving forward, create cool events where we've gone to plenty of networking events and seminars and left it gone. That was crap. I didn't get anything out of that. So we really want brands to be leaving it with something, with a partnership, with a new contact, ideally two partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the events I went to where they did this, we didn't get enough time to really talk. Like it was sort of five minutes and it takes five minutes to introduce yourself, you know. So you really do need like 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes with someone to really, you know, go through that process of, hey, this is what I do, this is what you do. So the fact you're actually taking out time before to allocate those people, that's going to be super, super helpful. I'm excited about that. And when is that happening and, you know, how can people join in to this cool partnership and meet really big brands? How do they get onto that? Yeah, it's happening on the 3rd of November at 2 o'clock. I guess anyone listening on after that date, what you can do is, you know, check out partner.io. I'm sure you guys will run more of these events if it's successful and bringing big brands, small brands all together because it's a super cool concept that you can actually share in other networks without having to pay those high hefty CPC costs of ads. There is this other new way of marketing. I think it's for new age of marketing that you can actually get benefits of things that you probably didn't imagine, you know, when I, I've never imagined, wow, like I can actually partner with big brands and they actually want to partner with smaller brands, but it's actually happening and it's real, you know, and your little community might be small, but big brands care about still bringing that if you're of value to their audience. That's that's the biggest takeaway, you know, that you don't have to feel like, no, you can't do this because if you're doing something valuable, there's big brands interested in you, but you just probably just in your mind think no they're not interested and that's probably what's holding a lot of partnerships great partnerships that can form being held back so that's I guess guys it's super interesting what you're doing I'm really excited to keep following this journey is there anything cool coming up on the platform you know that we can look forward to is there some you know new tech and features that you're coming up with would love to hear anything like that yeah we've uh, so, so fundamentally what drives partner is campaigns so when you're on board as a brand you create your campaign and your campaigns like your brief saying here's what i want to achieve with my partnerships 
here's my demographic of customers, psychopathics that I'd like to reach. And then other brands can apply for that campaign and that starts the connection. But what we're building is this functionality called direct requests. So what we're doing is eliminating all of those steps to actually put a partnership together. So as a brand, you can go through, you can filter through all of the brands that have your demographic and psychographic of customer in the right industry, but are also looking for the right partnership types. So you can go quite granular and then you can send that brand a direct request. So you can say, hey, we would like to do a EDM campaign on the 15th of November and we would like to do a contra deal, so a swap. So I'll email my database, you email your database, and let's try it. And the brand can simply just from there approve the partnership, and then we give them some simple tools in what we call the campaign progress page. So really trying to shorten the steps for brands to make these partnerships happen because one thing we, we like we've we've always said we've identified is that everyone wants to do partnerships, but they just don't really know how to do it, or they're sitting there going, "Oh, do they are they keen?" Or do, but you know, if you filter through and you can see the brands, they're there saying, I want to do an EDM campaign <laughs> and here's my audience. Would you contact with them? I think people are so surprised when they see that a big brand like HelloFresh or Founder want to work with them. Awesome. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for sharing your insights in partnership. You've definitely inspired me to think that, you know, these partnerships can be very different and you can go with much bigger partners. That was really, really good way to change thought of mine and anyone listening on. And I'm excited for everyone else to listen to this and really discover this awesome channel that you're creating over there and get on partner.io. Thanks so much, Thanks, man. It's been a heap of fun. You are listening to Innovative Minds. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind.